And now for something purposely positive. Welcome to Strive to Thrive, the Purposely Positive Podcast, brought to you by TonyWCoaching.com, where your greatest success is right in front of you. This is Tony Wexler, your host, and on this podcast, we talk about positive issues to bring positive content into the world. The breath of life. When we're born, we start to breathe. And before that, we're actually alive for nine months inside our mother's womb, during that time, we're provided with all those vital elements in life, oxygen, and that's given to us through other means. But when we actually enter the world, we learn to breathe. But we're talking about breath work, which is a little different. So what's that all about? How is it vital to our lives today? Now, on today's episode, my friend Elizabeth is going to talk about the importance of breath work and how we can incorporate it into our daily lives. Elizabeth, welcome back to the podcast. This is your second appearance, and I'm really looking forward to this topic. Yeah, thank you for having me. I'm excited to be here, too, and continuing our conversation. Yes, it was really good last time, uh, and uh, we're talking about a completely different topic. So for those who haven't listened, maybe I'll post in the podcast notes the link to that one so you can go back and listen to that. In the meantime, tell us about what you've learned about breathwork and what it's really done for your life. Breathwork in many ways felt like the missing piece for me. Having worked so hard on all this personal development programs and coaching and you know Tony Robbins certifications and things, and it was just like, what isn't clicking here? How am I not able to connect to myself? And so breath work was like this transformative experience when I first started it of actually being able to embody all the things that I had learned because everything else was like information that I understood mentally in my head, but then wasn't able to actually bring into action and actually fully believe it myself. And so it was like this way of integrating and dropping in like all the stuff that I had taken in and worked on and actually be able to like use it in my day-to-day -day life and make it become part of me. And that's why my brand is like growing embodiment because as you grow, we embody. And so this is the, the way I facilitated that process for myself. Okay. So we're going along getting these certifications. We're really big in personal development and you found that something just wasn't clicking. How did you actually discover that? What was the actual process and how can we who are listening learn how to do this and how to you know, make that click in our lives? I think it was approaching things with curiosity. And so I was just kind of opening up to like, what else is out there? What haven't I tried? And I found a person who ended up being my coach, but she was offering a four-week breathwork series. And I was like, well, I really like her energy and I trust her. I don't know what this is, but I'll just try it. And so I showed up and just like everything, it's about showing up for yourself. I showed up. I was the only person who showed up every single time and I just dropped in and it was nurturing that curiosity about new experiences, about experiencing myself in a new way, about showing up, making time for myself, finding it and just being. And then I was able to kind of just bring that into other areas of my life as well. 
Because once you experience this deep connection to yourself and things start integrating, it's like, okay, how can I bring that as an intention into my life? And this is where I started exploring intentionality of like having the intention of curiosity towards myself, my triggers or little activations, the little things that came up. It was like releasing this old story that they made me a bad person or there was something wrong with me. And instead just looking at it with the intention of, okay, what's actually going on here? And so breath work is part of that process because you learn about intention setting. And at the beginning of every session, you set an intention for it. And so it's using that skill, that's kind of transferring elsewhere. And then even just having that awareness of the breath, even if you're not in a session of just breathing in through the nose is calming and breathing in and out through the mouth is energizing. So meeting yourself with an awareness of where you are and what you need. And so the breath can be a tool to help facilitate that process or just using that awareness for I need rest now or I need to get this done. So it's just really having that attention intentionality and awareness throughout my day. I like the intention part of it and the whole concept of intention setting back to the metaphor I used at the beginning of the program before we were born, we didn't have to worry about oxygen because we were provided with that. We didn't need to intentionally breathe. Uh, It wasn't until we actually came into this world that we actually started breathing and we had to learn how to do it. And really, it was more of an inborn thing. We didn't have to learn. I mean, what's the old metaphor? The doctor slaps you and then you start ah, crying and then that you start breathing all of a sudden. So yeah. uh, this was something where um, it kind of came about. But as we go through life, we learn about intention setting. And uh, I like uh, the idea of showing up for yourself because in learning these new processes and these new tools in life. And I kind of considered this more of like a tool of how to really stop and, and set that intention of where you want to go with your day, with whatever projects you're working on. And how many people have heard that someone say to them, breathe, just breathe. And what they're usually meaning that instance is calm down because a lot of us get all worked up about something and we're told, just breathe. If breath and breath work and just breathing can actually help to calm the body down, what other things can it do for us? Oh, that's a great question. And one of the things that I want to address is that everyone has access to this tool. As you said, when we're born, we start breathing as soon as we enter the world. And so it's something you can always carry with you in any moment. They're like, just breathe. And some of the benefits of that is bringing in that mindfulness into your life, bringing in that intentionality. And then it actually changes our ability to manage anxiety, to manage the stresses of life. And doing breath work regularly can impact your entire body. Um, We're not just breathing air, we're breathing energy. So we can release things that are stuck in the body, emotions that you may not know that you need to release or traumas. Um, And what that really allows us to do is cope better with the ups and downs of life. There's something called the window of tolerance, which is our ability to basically handle situations. Some people have a larger range of tolerance, so they're able to handle more uncertainty in their life. And some people have a smaller one. And because the brain is neuroplastic, we can actually increase that window of tolerance. So you're better able to handle the ups and downs of life. And breath work is something that does that because 
the breath and breath work is the only autonomic system that we have that we can actually control. We can't control other things like the way our heart beats, um, our temperature. These are all just automatically happening in our body. But our breath, most of the time you don't think about it. It's automatic. And we can manipulate it too. And so that has a profound impact on the pH of our blood, how much oxygen we're bringing in. And so it really can help you to relax. It can help you to energize depending on how you use it. It can be anxiety and stress management. It can help with your digestion because it's connected again to your nervous system. And that's part of our gut health and our body's ability to just handle all situations in life. And so for me, it's really been the benefit of connecting to my body on a deeper level. And because the beauty of breath work is you actually get out of the structured mind. So all the thoughts that may be running in your head, the to-do list, the like, why did I do that? What's going wrong? Like, why did that person look at me that way? Okay, I have to complete this. We're actually able to release that and get into our body. And that's when the magic kind of happens. Like my clients, they come after a session and they say, I was able to see kind of into the future or get a download of this is the coaching program I want to launch. They can have memories surface from the past. And the beauty of breathwork, the thing that I've learned too, is that it all gets to be here. You can have an experience of laughter, sadness, anger, tears, joy, like it all gets to be here. And it's giving yourself that space and that permission to experience everything Um, And that's super powerful because I think a lot of the time we avoid feeling certain emotions or we ignore them and we go do something, eat something just to get away. And this is like, okay, this is my space to allow everything to come up so that I can move forward. And that's, that's powerful. Yeah. uh, A lot of people use meditation as a way of taking control of the situation And breath work is a very important element in meditation because you have to really take time to focus on your breathing. And sometimes when you sit there and meditate, you actually focus on what you're breathing. Uh, One of the things that I learned was a technique in breath work called the 478 technique. And what that is, is you breathe in for four seconds and then you hold it for seven seconds and you exhale slowly for eight seconds and you do that like three times in a row and what it does is it actually slows your heart rate down and it relaxes you so when you're having a stress in your stressful situation or when you're even trying to settle down at night uh, how many times have we laid in bed trying to go to sleep and All the thoughts of what we did today, what we should have done today, what we need to do tomorrow, and how am I going to get all these things done, and all these things go. And then we look at our clock or our phone or whatever we look at to see what time it is, and we say, oh, my goodness, it's it's after midnight, and I've got to get up at this time. I need to sleep. And now we're thinking, I need to sleep. I need to sleep. And we let our thoughts And these internal things that we can't control, well, we can't control them, but we let these things take control of us. And sometimes when we just stop and we take some time to breathe, you can really start to take control of your body. 
and let your body do its natural thing, and that is relaxing and falling asleep. With that in mind, uh, I'm kind of curious on some of the techniques. You know, we're talking about this in a macro sense right now. We're talking about concepts and why it's important and uh, why it's important to show up for yourself and setting intention, these types of things. But let's narrow things down. Talk about maybe a specific technique that you found that has been really helpful for you in breathwork and how those listening can maybe try to practice that in their daily life. So a breath pattern that I think I can introduce you to is one called the triactive breath. And this is more of an activating breath. uh, And it's really great for releasing things. So if you're experiencing anxiety, restlessness, an inability to kind of let go and drop into the moment, especially if you're trying to meditate. I struggled with meditation because I had all the thoughts there. And I was like, isn't this supposed to take away the thoughts? So this breath pattern is really good. Maybe trying it for just a minute at a time before a meditation and you'll feel probably energized and the thoughts will start to dissipate. And so it's called the triactive. It's a three-part breath. It's all through the mouth. So you would breathe into the belly into the chest, through the mouth, and then out through the mouth too. Belly, chest, out through the mouth. And that can be done at any speed or depth that you want. I think this is something that uh, I have heard Tony Robbins discuss as well. Uh, When you're actually taking a walk is to Mm -hmm. go out and do a walk and you do this except I believe he actually breathes out twice, but it's very similar, but, but you can do this anywhere. You can do this sitting down. You can do this while driving your car. So this isn't one of those breath where you're going to say to people like in meditation, you know, if you're driving a car right now, make sure you pull over. <laughs> I know. some. People uh, I would podcasts. suggest not driving a car while doing this one. Oh, okay. It, well, okay. if you do prolong it, um, it can be, it's a highly activating breath. So sitting down, laying down would be best. But if you do just want to have something you can do anywhere, like walking, driving, um, just the continual conscious breath is just in through the nose, out through the mouth, which I think many of us know, but it's just the key piece is having the intention of just taking a pause. And one thing that I found very helpful is setting this intention to just breathe and scheduling it in. So if you want an action step of, okay, yeah, I know I should breathe, but how do I, how do I start this apart from like, you know, hiring a breathwork facilitator or taking a course or something, just going in your phone. I have my alarm set for nine o'clock in the morning each day and just two minutes. That's all you need. Like we don't need to go five, 10, 15 minutes, two minutes, and just put like a little reminder, like breathe or connect or drop in whatever your intention is. And just reminding yourself, taking those two minutes to just do the breath, like putting your hands on your heart, maybe just sitting there with yourself and just paying attention to whatever comes up within you. Um, You don't even have to do a particular breath pattern. You could do the three-part one I just mentioned, or in through the nose, out through the mouth, or just being with yourself. That's really the key thing that I think a lot of people try to get away from, the feelings, being in the moment. So bring in that presence. Each day, having it there for yourself as a reminder is an incredibly powerful practice. And it doesn't have to be an hour long session. It's about showing up for two minutes, 
and just letting that guide you. You may end up adding more minutes as you go forward, but not having like, how many of us have tried a habit, especially around the new year? And it's like, I'm going to go work out for an hour each day. You do it for like a week or two. It's the small little changes of just bringing that breath in for two minutes or bringing that moment of presence and awareness in. Uh, and that's what's going to become sustainable to you. What I like about that is what you just mentioned, because we always try to start a new habit. And what we end up doing is we have much higher expectations of ourselves in these things than we can usually handle. We're going to join this gym and we're going to go five days a week and then we'll miss a couple of days. And then pretty soon we just, we're not going at all because we try to do too much or we try to start exercising, start a diet and then start doing meditation or yoga or some practice like that, or just spending time maybe in prayer and we do too many things and it's a lot better to do one thing at a time and what i like about this is the action step that you mentioned before setting a clock and just doing two minutes a day whether it be nine o'clock in the morning or maybe if you're someone who gets up and gets going in the day and then you set it for say 10 30 halfway through your morning where you can just stop and remind yourself okay i'm gonna stop i'm gonna be present i'm gonna do this breath work for two minutes, because it's just two minutes. Who doesn't have two extra minutes? I mean, it takes you that long usually to check your phone. So rather than checking your phone, maybe take the time to do some breath work. So I really like the idea that it's something that you can incorporate and it's something that's not very difficult. So I assume that after you start building this habit, then you start incorporating other things into your daily life when it comes to breath work. The real thing is the intentionality. So I, I'm fortunate. I have many colleagues who do breath work and my coach and for myself too. So I usually do breath work twice to three times a week guided by someone else. More than that, especially in the beginning, I would just say once a week of like a longer session because it does bring up a lot of things within us and having that time to integrate and actually like bring that embodiment in rather than like this kind of perfectionistic uh, all or nothing thinking that I think is kind of sabotages all of our best efforts. Like we have like, oh, I'm going to change my life. I'm going to do all these things. Like you just mentioned, going to the gym every day and then you miss a day and it's like, well, I give up. Like, what's the point? I failed. And that doesn't serve us. So it's really bringing in this idea that I don't have to be perfect. There's no perfect way of doing breath work. Like it's really the type of breath work that I do is body led. So you just meet your body where it is and it will tell you some days you don't want to do that triactive breath, the really activating one. And you just want to be there and listen to music. And that's what your body needs. I've had people fall asleep in sessions because that's what they needed. That's what their body was telling them. And then other days you're looking to have a release. You're looking to do other things. So it's meeting yourself where you are. That's what adds up is because finding a way that actually feels good to you, that you give yourself permission to be imperfect, like we all are, it makes it so that I saw a study that uh, was talking about students, they were photography students, and they were allowed to, they were doing a project, their final project. One, half the students were only allowed to submit one photo at the end, and that's what would be evaluated. And other students were allowed to take multiple photos to submit. And the students who did 
the multiple photos actually ended up having greater quality photos than the one who had to focus on just getting the one right shot. Because when you only have one shot to do something, it has to be perfect. And there's all this pressure and you're focusing instead of just practicing and looking for things and improving and learning and exploring with curiosity, like the students who had multiple attempts, the ones who were just looking for that one right picture were focused on, okay, my lighting and the angle here, it has to be just right. And so they found that their submissions weren't as good because they were so caught up in getting it right that they just weren't able to see the bigger picture. And so that's really about like the breath work and everything that I do. It's not about getting it right, showing up perfectly. It's about giving yourself permission to like explore with curiosity yourself, what your body's saying, what your emotions are doing and learning from them and making just small micro adjustments, two minutes in the beginning, then maybe you add in a second two minutes in the afternoon or something, or you add in a longer session once a week, just feeling into yourself, like without maybe a set like game plan of like, I'm going to do two minutes for this week, and that'll be three minutes next week. It's like it, when it feels intuitively good to you to make changes. And when things feel good, they're sustainable. It's like a self-sustaining habit loop. I do find that that happens whenever we're trying to make a change. We get to that point where it's something is a challenge, but then once we get over that hump and it's no longer a challenge and it becomes something that feels good to us. Exercise is one example. Sometimes when we first start exercising or going for a walk each day, we don't really feel good about it. I mean, we know that's something we should be doing, but then all of a sudden you get to the point where, oh, if I don't take a walk, then I feel like I'm missing something. And that's that's when a habit really becomes a sustainable thing in your life. And that's how you build a habit. And there's been all kinds of studies. Somebody says it takes 20 days and one study says 30. I've heard one study saying it really takes up to 100 days. The point is just start doing something. And like you said, don't beat yourself up if you miss a day because that's what we tend to do as humans. Oh, I failed. Well, no, you didn't do it one day. You had a distraction. So it's kind of like when you're going someplace in the car and you make a wrong turn, you don't turn around and say, oh, I made a wrong turn. I screwed up. I'm just going to go home and forget about the whole thing. No, you turn and you listen to the GPS as it yells at you, recalculating route (laughs) or whatever. And then you take the route and you show up. And that's what we have to do. We have to show up for ourselves uh, every day. And I like how you brought up learning how to listen to your body. I believe that's so important. Our body tells us when we need to take time to breathe, when we need to take time to just stop and and change course in what we're doing. And a lot of times we just get so focused and so intense. And that's kind of the way society is. I talk a lot about the importance of drinking water. One of the things that I do every morning is I have to have my water bottle next to my bed. So the first thing I do when I get up is I'll drink 16 ounces of water because it replenishes the water that my body needs and it rehydrates me. And then I try to drink at least a glass of water every two hours because a lot of times when we feel like we're hungry, we're not really hungry, we're just dehydrated. And I think in the same way, we need to take this time to actually focus on breathing. And I'm going to transition a little bit because many of us don't 
know how to even breathe properly. Now, people out there are going, what do you mean? I know how to breathe. I breathe every day. If I wasn't breathing, I wouldn't be alive. But no, I'm talking about breathing to take in oxygen. Most of us, when you take a deep breath, you watch somebody. You notice that they'll fill up in, the, in their chest. But when you really are breathing and taking in a deep breath, you should be breathing lower from your diaphragm. So you should actually, when you take that deep breath, and I would just say anybody out there uh, who's listening right now, you can do this. Whether I don't care if you're driving or if you're laying down, just take a deep breath and notice what happens to your body. Did you just breathe into your chest or did you breathe into your belly? Learn how to breathe into your belly because that's how you get all the oxygen in. The other thing that I've also learned is when you do that, hold it for a little bit and then breathe it out slowly. What that does is it'll give your body more oxygen and it'll give you the oxygen that you need because a lot of us aren't taking in the proper amounts of oxygen. And that's why we get stressed, we get anxiety, we get tension in our bodies. I'm sure there are many other things that you've learned that are even deeper than that, but just on a superficial level, I think uh, learning how to really breathe right is, uh, is definitely an important thing. That comes when we place our, our attention on our breath regularly, like you were saying about breathing kind of into our belly rather than just keeping in our chest. When we're stressed and overwhelmed, our body will actually just breathe into the chest. It doesn't feel safe to get that full oxygen in. So something that you can practice is doing a hold, like you said, just really, really breathing in. And you may notice in the beginning when you do a hold, breathing in, it'll just be in your chest, but holding for at least four seconds, counting it out and then releasing for four seconds or eight seconds, however long you can trying to prolong the exhale, that signals to your body, it's safe to slow down. And you may find when you breathe in to do another hold, you're actually able to access your stomach, your belly, get your breath into the belly. Because if we are living in a place of disconnection, anxiety, overwhelm, tension, we're going to be breathing into our chest. That's just the way that our body functions. It shuts down certain abilities when we're experiencing all these emotions. But when we take the moment to pause, to breathe deeply, to hold the air in as our chest expands, it opens up the path for air to actually go down to our belly so we can start accessing these benefits of the breath. So what you've observed is really important if someone is experiencing anxiety that breath work is great for anxiety for that reason is um, just allowing your body to really get the the nutrients of air i guess mm -hmm. you could say what i find is most people find other coping mechanisms to deal with those things like they turn to well smoking is something that people do but one of the reasons that people smoke and again this isn't all of the addiction but one of the reasons that people smoke is when you take in those deep breaths when you're smoking, you're actually breathing properly, except you're not putting the right stuff into your body. You're putting you know terrible things into your body, but you're actually breathing properly and you have to stop and you have to take those correct breaths. If you're trying to move away from a habit like that, doing these breath exercises is really a great way to replace uh, what you're doing with those bad things that you're putting inside your body. Does that make sense? Yeah. And what you're saying, I think is, I felt like the power of pause 
when we have these behaviors, whether it's smoking, eating, drinking, overworking, because a lot of people use work as kind of a coping mechanism too, is if you just pause and the breath helps with the pause, because when you're focused on your breathing, you're more present to like the moment, you're able to stop before you reach for that behavior coping mechanism that you normally would. And think about asking yourself the question of like, okay, what am I feeling right now? Giving yourself the space to kind of identify it, seeing what's going on within you. And what am I trying, like, what need am I trying to meet? Because often if we go to smoke, maybe it's just that moment of relaxation of the habit, the comfort that comes from the habit. And is there another way that I can get that? Or if I'm reaching for cookies, sometimes you just want cookies. I'm not saying it's a bad thing, but I've had moments where I stop and I pause and I realize I'm looking for love. So if I go hug someone, it meets the exact same need. And so I'm actually addressing the core need rather than the superficial, like smoking, drinking, eating behavior. And that's way more fulfilling. And don't get me wrong. Like I still do things just for like pleasure and fun and It's not to judge any of these behaviors. If they're like one-off events and you don't find yourself doing them over and over and over in a negative pattern loop, that's one thing. Like I've talked about with gambling, I went to Las Vegas recently and I saw people in the slot machine. They did not look like they were having fun. They're just like monkeys pressing a button and they're just numb to the world. Whereas if you're going to Vegas as like a one-off trip and you just want to have a fun night, that's a completely different experience. And the intention there is different than like, well, I'm missing something in my life. I'm going to see if I can get it through like pressing this button versus I'm here with my friends. We're going to have a fun night and then I'll go home and it's not going to be like a make it or break it. So it's coming back to like, why am I doing the things that I'm doing and catching yourself and just having that awareness. And then from that awareness, you get to make an empowered decision. That's so true. It is really about setting our intention and focusing on finding those things that that we really want to do and not just being there like you said pressing the button like a monkey i think that's a great analogy and i think some of us go through life that way we're just pressing the button every day and we need to just stop and this whole idea this whole concept of doing breath work and what i like about it is sometimes when you talk about oh you need to start a meditation or do yoga or something a little more complicated Some people are very reluctant to do that uh, for many different reasons. You know, I've heard, and whether they're valid reasons or not, I'm not here to judge people, but some people say, well, that's too complicated to do yoga. Some people are worried about some of the Eastern roots of that. And, you know, I've heard people, I've heard all kinds of excuses, but breath work is something that's so simple that just anybody can do it. Learning how to listen to your body. And I like giving yourself permission to just take that two minutes a day or two minutes several times a day and just focus on what your body is telling you and breaking those habits. One of the habits that a lot of people have, and I talked about this recently, people work from home now a lot more because of the whole COVID situation. I find, especially self-employed people, when you're working from home, I don't know about you, but I tend to snack a lot more because I'm home. I am in my uh, little office area or I'm in my dining room or I'm someplace where I'm working on my computer. I'm doing something and I'll walk into the kitchen and I'll say, oh, I'll look in the refrigerator and I'm not even hungry. I'm just snack to do something. 
And I think finding things to replace those habits, those compulsive habits will really help us in the long run. So what I tend to do is whenever I find myself snacking, I'm just make sure I reach for my water. I drink my water. And then my replacement habit is I drop and I'll do like 20 push-ups. By the time I finish those 20 push-ups, I am my, the distraction of going to get a snack has been released from my body. Maybe you don't have to do 20 push-ups. Maybe you can just stop and do two minutes of breath work. One of the things that I actually have is in various rooms in my house, I have a little post-it note that says pause and observe. And so what that post-it note is, I have one even in the kitchen too. It's just a reminder of like wherever I'm moving, just stopping, observing what's going on within me, kind of like that two minutes in the morning and just checking in what am I doing right now? Like kind of going, if I were going into the kitchen to have a snack, it's not to say like good or bad, like right or wrong to have a snack right now, but it's observing. Like if I pause and observe, what am I needing? It can even indicate what food choice I make. I'm needing actually something a little bit more savory and substantial. So I'm going to eat something that's higher protein or fat, or, oh, I'm just kind of feeling lethargic right now. I'm going to go for a walk instead because I know that'll energize me. Or, you know what? I really just want some comfort and I'm going to have a little bit of chocolate because that's what I want right now. And it removes the judgment because when you bring in that awareness and that intentionality, you actually start meeting your own needs in ways that feel good to you. And like, that's really at the end of the day, we all have needs and they're all being met. Whether they're met at a low level or a high level, like if you think of like, I know Tony Robbins talks about like one to 10. So if we're meeting our needs at like a two or three, that would be like me going to the kitchen, grabbing some crackers and chips or something and just eating. It's like, okay, I had the need. Well, I don't even know what the need is, but I just went and did this action. Versus like, if I pause and observe, it's like, I'm the chip and cracker analogy. I feel like crap afterwards because that's not actually <laughs> meeting my need on a high level. It's like a two. But if I actually go into the kitchen, I pause and observe, okay, what am I needing? Well, I'm needing a little bit of pleasure in my life right now. The best way that I can do that is maybe going, taking a bath. Like that's a very, having a luxurious like experience for me is very pleasurable or lighting a candle. I find very pleasurable. I can do both the bath and the candle. And so that's meeting my need at like an eight or nine or a 10 instead. Or like, even if I go back to the food analogy, if I'm looking for pleasure, those like semi-stale chips and crackers that I'm munching on are not super pleasurable, (laughs) but they're just crunchy and salty. And so I'm like, okay, it's good enough. I can grab and go. If I really want pleasure from food, I'm going to go get that decadent chocolate cake in that moment. Because that's what I'm really looking for is like pleasure, like a sensory pleasure. That's an option too. Why am I settling for a two experience when I can have a nine or 10. And that's, that's where this pausing, this intentionality comes in of like, all right, I want to have food right now. I want it to be a pleasurable experience. How can I get that though? And, and I'm making that choice because when you actually stop and like figure out what's going on here, it removes the judgment, you make a choice and it meets your need at a high level. And it doesn't become about like, oh, this food is bad. I should be like, I shouldn't be doing this. I made a choice now and it feels good. Or I made a choice not to eat the food and I get it in another way. 
the realm of possibilities coming back to that like curiosity and exploration kind of mindset here I am this is what I want I'm owning it and now I'm taking actions that are in alignment with what I want whatever that may be I really like that and I believe that is all about what I talk about which is having a purposely positive life or you're living life on purpose you're actually taking control of the choices that you make because a lot of times those choices they control us just like you said when we go after those chips where it's on a two level versus doing something on a much higher level and when you make that stop you pause and you reflect and you say what does my body really need right now what am I, what do i really need to do and you just take those few extra seconds and realize what you need to do that is really taking control and that's what living life on purpose is all about so let me ask you before we uh, wind things down today first off i'm going to ask if people want to reach out to you how would they do that but before that uh, maybe you could also offer some other resources when it comes to breath work that are out there that people might be interested in checking out yeah so you can find me at growing embodiment on social media and my website growingembodiment.com there's a little try breathwork tab on my website where you can get a free audio clip where you can try it out for yourself it's like five minutes so you can do that in the the little morning bit um just to try it out uh i'm also offering some group calls so people can drop in on those but other resources i really like um, the app insight timer it has meditation but it also has breath work and that's a free app that you can check out uh the woman that or the coach who ran my certification for breath work she has an app it's a paid app. It's called Pause Breathwork. That's also a great place for recordings. And I have recordings on my site too that you can access. And really, if you are looking for a kind of like things to search on YouTube, looking up box breathing, which is similar to what you just suggested, Tony, that was kind of my introduction to breathwork was looking up box breathing on YouTube. And they have videos where it's like four in for hold for out for hold at the bottom and going on and they'll count you through it i used to do that before meditation as well so those are a few resources and if you're interested in doing like more of a facilitated experience which is for people who have difficulty making time for this sort of thing like I, there's a ton of resources out there and you can access them but if you're having difficulty like oh i can't stick to this two minutes then maybe having a facilitator is something for you or having, um, I have a group membership called here. Uh, you can mm -hmm. also find that on my website, which is a one hour call each week. And that way you have it in your calendar with certainty. Like I've invested in this, I've invested in myself and showing up. So there's various different um, options. If people are curious about breath work, they can reach out to me, like I said, at Growing Embodiment. And I'm happy to answer any questions because it's been something that has transformed my life. And I just want to get it out there so other people can try it out too. That's fantastic. And I hope people will look you up and try to find you. You also have a podcast. I wanted to bring yeah. that up as well. Uh, and that's also called Growing Embodiment. It is. And I do have a couple episodes explaining more about the benefits of breath work, my experience, and I'm recording one on the science of breath work as well. So that'll be coming out soon. That sounds really interesting. That would be right up my alley learning about the science because I'm always into anything 
having to do with neuroscience and uh, the way our bodies and our brains work. So I hope people will reach out to you. One other final question, and normally I ask the question, what does being purposely positive mean to you? But you've answered that. So I'm going to take the next step and ask you, what would be the first step that you feel that someone out there could make to living a purposely positive life? I think the first step someone could take in living a purposely positive life is connecting with themselves on a deeper level so they can actually figure out what purpose means to them and what a positive life means for them because it's different for everyone out there. We can only really do that when we take the time to actually drop in and ask ourselves questions. So just pausing sometimes and just figuring out like, what is alive in me in this moment? Because when we do that more often, we'll start seeing patterns emerge, we'll start having observations and things that come up. And so when you start piecing that together, and you bring that awareness into your life, you can figure out what your purpose is. It's just having the curiosity and giving yourself the time and space for it to unfold and develop. That's a great answer. I love the idea. You have to give yourself the time uh, and the space for that full development. A lot of times the answers that you're looking for are right in front of you. Elizabeth, thank you so much for being back on the podcast. And uh, I'm looking forward to talking to you again soon. Thank you. And you've been listening to Strive to Thrive, the Purposely Positive Podcast, brought to you by TonyWCoaching.com, where your greatest success is right in front of you. And you may be out there pausing in your life and trying to set an intention. And I have a free resource, an ebook called Strive to Thrive. You can download it for free at TonyWCoaching.com and start your adventure on that purposely positive life. 